0: make the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives i'm your host vincent ferrari and joining me as always my right hand man ethan carter hey vincent how's it going man it's going so well we're in like what uh
1: month eight it's like what is it
0: like april 430 exactly (laughs) i can't deal with it anymore i know although i did i'm not gonna pretend that i'm not i went back to work last week yeah, I am back to work. I am actually in my office. Oh, you, oh, you're in the office. Wow. Yeah, I'm like working, working now, like doing actual work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, it's almost probably refreshing in, at this point. You have no idea. Yeah, dude. You have no... I mean, I I really... I was like... I was so excited about the idea of working from home. And I did like that in my downtime, I was able to like finish something. Like I can put mm-hmm. a code of finish on something, then come back to work. And it, it was kind of cool to be able to juggle my business and the day job and still right. get plenty of work. I mean, I was getting pl- more work done. Oh, yeah, there. I get way more done at home. But... Yeah. But in the end, just going to work and being able to just go, okay, I'm at work, I'm focusing on work, and in my downtime, I'm doing other things at work rather than going, well, what could I squeeze in now? Yeah. You know, it's just... Yeah, totally.
1: Well, and, and then it's I don't know about you guys, but it was uh, super nice here this weekend, which it's amazing oh. how much that helps too, just to be able to get outside of the house and even if it's just in your driveway. I mean, it I went, was just such I a difference. I went
0: grocery shopping. I went grocery shopping yesterday just to get, because I've been ordering everything from Instacart, mm-hmm. but every time I order any kind of meat, like they don't have anything. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to a store and I'm just going to get all meat (laughs) i know my my vegetarian thing is just completely out the window now like i'm actually making meat trips to the store (laughs) and it was like it was so nice to just even the little walk from my truck to the park in the parking lot and it's just oh i missed this i missed the sunshine Mm -hmm. even even though that sunshine is just like a little bit like because you don't you don't go anywhere right Right. Your, your default is i'm staying home unless i need to go out and it just I'm getting pale and pasty, and it's disgusting. <laughs> I'm, I'm always pale and pasty, but um, <laughs> quarantine or not. but <laughs> well, it's that, it's, well, we have that New England thing going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's part of our, part of our heritage. <laughs> so we have a guest this week. Yeah. We do, and I am super-duper excited. Now, what this guest doesn't know, and see, I haven't told her this, is that we've actually talked about her about 50 times mm-hmm. behind her back. So it's great. <laughs> um, one of the coolest things that I decided to do, uh, a couple of months ago, was take some product photography courses on Skillshare, and I one of the, one of my day things in my day job is I have to take product photos. So I figured, okay, well, if I need it for my personal business and I need it for the day job, I can kind of justify taking Skillshare courses at work because it improves my ability to do my job. There you go. So I took courses by our guest and. I learned so much. And I was like, if I can pick up this much, there's got to be something in here that people listening to the podcast will get out of it. So every Saturday, Morley from Yelron Blog has been doing um, Makers on Zoom having coffee. And this week we were talking to the group. I won't name names because we talk about it like it's Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't mention <laughs> names of other people in the group. But one of the guests, one of the people in the chat said, I am having a lot of trouble getting my lighting situated and being happy with the way my photos look. And I'm like, let me tell you something. You are going to want to listen to the podcast this week because we have a guest that is literally a specialist in product photography. And she is going to help you get your stuff together. So, welcome to... Our new friend, I like call everyone our friend, but our new friend, Tabitha Park. Hi.
2: Hi. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. (laughs) Oh, my God. Your course. So the first course I
0: took of yours was the lay flat course. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, I didn't even know what a lay flat was. I was like, oh, okay. So it's just like this top-down photography thing. Like, how much could I possibly learn here? (laughs) And at the end of the course, I'm like, okay, what's the next course I'm taking? Like, load up the next course. Like, let's do this. Your courses are so good.
2: Oh, (laughs) thank you.
0: It's like, you know what I like about them? And I've taken a a bunch of Skillshare courses. And what I tend to find is a lot of the instructors, they're either on one of two ends. They either assume you know everything, or they assume you know nothing. Mm -hmm. The ones that assume you know everything don't really teach you much because it's just, they're just blazing through showing you with a whole bunch of assumptions. The ones that assume you know nothing are almost so slow Slow, yeah yeah they're they're painful they're absolutely painful to watch it's like if i'm taking a course in photography i don't need to know how to use my camera like (laughs) don't start there start with you know assume a certain amount of basic knowledge and be like look if you need to learn how to use, you know you need to learn what shutter speed or iso is you know if it's more than a cursory explanation just take another course just take another course come back we'll do this You've managed to strike a really good balance between beginner tips and absolute, like, really good nitty-gritty things you can do very easily to make your photos look a lot better. And I love the balance in your courses.
2: Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Like, I try really hard to, like, like appeal to a lot of different levels of photographers. And so I think sometimes it feels like I'm repeating stuff, but it's, I mean, it it seems to be good to hear, you know, those basics again and again to really kind of like bring it home.
1: Well, Well, and one of the things we've talked about, Vincent, too, is again, with this, this group, you know, our, our, most of our listeners and a lot of people in the making space, they, they don't necessarily want to be professional photographers, Mm -hmm. but they, but they need some, you know, some really good practices and simple explanations and tips to, to make their, you know, to show off their work. And so they don't need that super, super in-depth what they need is is things that make sense and, and that they can apply easily,
0: right? right. Yeah, and little wha- tweaks. Yeah. And one of, the things that, one of the things, Tabitha, that you do that's really, really cool, because the first objection you usually get when you start talking about product photography is, well, I don't have a really good camera. Mm-hmm. Well, in every one of your courses, <laughs> even the last one where you went back and added it, um, you actually do a walkthrough of the same processes using just your phone. Yeah. Right. Which... I've always thought that, hey, you know, with the right amount of light and the right amount of preparation, you can really do really good photos with your phone. It may take a little more prep work, but you don't have to buy a camera to get really good photos.
2: Exactly. It's all about crafting like beautiful light and, and you could just you can use any old camera, phone, whatever you want, get a good picture.
0: And the, the biggest, t- <laughs> my favorite tip that I, I just keep repeating over and over to people is the one you gave in one of the courses where you said never ever ever upload a picture straight from your camera to Instagram mm-hmm. ever ever <laughs> like every every single photo gets an e- at least one edit before it goes to Instagram. Oh, I've, n- I've never done that, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh wow, okay, yeah. I never really thought about it, but it makes perfect sense because you are trying to, if you're especially if you're trying to curate a feed or represent a business, you really do want to put your best foot forward, pretty Definitely. much, right off the bat.
2: Well, I'm Be- like. When, with your camera, like what your camera is designed to do, it's just a machine trying to make everything gray, basically. And so you're just trying to undo that like machine brain of your camera and like enhance <laughs> the things about the photo that you actually like, really like. And so editing is just like, it's, it's half of the work, I think.
0: Yeah, I actually well, find myself spending way more time editing than actually shooting. Mm-hmm. Like we no matter what I'm shooting, it's, it's pretty amazing. And little things like tweaking exposure tweaking shadows stuff like that it's just things you don't really think about until someone takes your photo and says okay here's what you're here's what you were going to put up you i like when you do the side yeah by the side, side, side. side i was just gonna <laughs> say here's that, yeah. where we started <laughs> mm-hmm. and here's where five minutes of editing got us and you just yes. look and you go is that even the same photo
1: like it's well it know. looks like it looks like one of my pictures or a getty image like the yeah it, yeah it, you know it's just it and they're basically they're the same picture, which is that's what's always amazing to me, is that it's the same picture, but highlighting the light here and, and tweaking this, it's just it it does change even the person that isn't into photography can see that difference, you know.
2: Yeah. I had someone uh, message me on Instagram and they had sent me a photo. They were trying to do like a flat lay with makeup and they had a white background and the photo was just kind of dark and dingy. And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I just took that photo and I edited it and I sent it back. I'm like, you're doing nothing wrong. You just have to edit it.
0: Yeah, yeah. people think, so one of the, it's like the dirty little secret, I guess, but people think that all these great looking feeds on Instagram are just like really good photographers. And don't get me wrong, there are really good photographers on Instagram. I follow a bunch of them. I know a Mm -hmm. few of them. But really, a lot of what you're seeing on Instagram is really skilled editing.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So
0: before we go too far into the technical stuff, why don't, I would love to get to know you a little bit because, you know... I've, I know you as, I would call you my teacher.
2: <laughs> yes. But I, I'd like
0: to get to know Tabitha, the person. So how did you end up, like, I know your 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 specific area of photography is, well, specific, oddly specific. Yeah. Um, How did you end up, like, give us your basic bio. How did you end up where you are? And how did you end up such, in such a niche in photography? And then how did you figure out that you were going to be one of the top teachers? Because you are <laughs> one of the top teachers on yes. Skillshare. So this isn't like... We, yeah, by the way, guys, we don't just get like you know, Joe Schmo, the teacher. <laughs> we go out and we go, Who are the top teachers? Oh. on? The show? Oh, Tabitha Park, yeah, we're gonna get her on the show. So, <laughs> oh, um, yes, what, how did you end up where you are?
2: Okay, well, so I started out, you know, just doing portraits and uh, trying to do some weddings and just really simple, kind of like let's earn some side money kind of stuff, and so I shot. Um, like tons of family pictures, lots of baby pictures. And I did 50 weddings before I was like, wow. you know, I don't Oof. love photographing <laughs> weddings. <laughs> and so, um, I was just like, there has to be another way there. I, and, and so I just started turning them down because they were too much stress. And so, um, I began like photographing other things and, um, I was still doing, I was kind of finishing out my weddings when I, uh, found Skillshare. I used to nanny. um, So I was just watching this kid and and he would take a nap and I would just be kind of sitting there. And I I was like, okay, I want to learn how to do calligraphy or watercolor. And so that's how I found Skillshare. So I started out as a student taking courses and I was on a free trial and I really didn't want to have to pay for a membership. And so (laughs) I found out that you could teach classes. Anybody could teach on Skillshare. So I posted a class like just for like painting a galaxy on shoes. Like it was not photography related at all. It was just a crafts class. And um, I earned like six bucks a month. And I was like, heck yeah, I can keep my Skillshare premium account <laughs> because of this class. And so <laughs> it started out just like as a way to pay for my membership. And then I posted my Lightbox class like six months later. And I had upgraded my audio because I knew my audio was garbage from my first class. And I like I, I did a lot of things to make my next class better. And like there must have been some like chasm in the photography world on Skillshare because my class exploded. It was like exactly what people were looking for and so it just got crazy trending all over the site and so I just realized okay this is like an opportunity I need to just kind of dive in and so I was producing like a class a month on Skillshare all photography related building my niche. And then like within, by the end of that year, they reached out to me and wanted to see if I would join their like teachers to watch club. And then I eventually uh, got invited to be one of the top teachers on the site. So, so yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So well-deserved. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> thank right. you. Thank you. I was teaching a, a class on how to photograph chocolate, like dark and moody chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I just, mm-hmm. I just wanted to photograph chocolate for fun. And then I, a bunch of different chocolate companies reached out to me to see if I wanted to work with them. And so that's how I like landed one of my bigger clients. And so it's just, I, I feel like a lot of people don't realize the power of just starting to shoot the thing that you want to get paid to shoot. And then not only are you building a portfolio, but you're getting better, you're getting more skilled, you're working with that thing. And so, Yeah.
1: That that's <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's that's makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's with any kind of medium or whatever. It's it's that's a great point. Just if you you're going to get better no matter if you keep doing
0: it, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: practice. Yeah, we we
0: we always talk about the the biggest barricade. In fact, I just read The War of Art um, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, mm. and he the main central theme of the book is the concept of resistance. That mm. no matter what you want to do. There's resistance, and it comes either in the form of self-doubt, it comes in the form of self-confidence, it comes in your, your inner voice just telling you horrible things about why you're going <laughs> to yeah. fall on your face, and what resistance ends up becoming is a barricade to you actually starting to do something you may actually love.
2: Oh, that's huge. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's so funny that, you know, the, the, the central theme that we always come across as makers is, you know, start right start get get going get whatever it is whatever you're into take a stab at it what's the worst that can happen you don't do you don't do well fine try it again if you still don't do well try it again if you're trying 50 times and you don't do well then maybe it's not for you but
2: yeah you're you're never gonna gonna get better
0: at something by not doing it
2: exactly
1: well and same with social media and stuff like that we've talked about that too is you know so many of us and myself included there's such a hang-up to get started on instagram or get started with your youtube channel and you know what like, th- that's completely our own doing, because there's, as we said before, too, the first couple of videos you do, no one's going to watch anyways,
0: so. Right? I'm, I'm five in, no one's watching my videos, so it's fine. I'm watching yeah. everyone, Vincent. You're watching because you're my friend. No, actually, I, I, like friend. I genuinely enjoy it. Aw. Yeah. I love, I love you, Ethan. <laughs> I love you, man. So, what do you think, like, where... All right. So I'm I'm a maker, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm deciding, okay, I want to up my product photography game. Um, I'm doing, you know, maybe not doing, because there's a wide range of things that people make. You know, there's people yeah. that do very large projects, you know, stuff like furniture and whatever. And then there's people like me who do smaller things or like cutting boards or really on the small end like jewelry. So where does, where would you recommend? And I know I didn't prep you for this and I'm really sorry. I probably should have, but <laughs> i'm I'm pretty sure you probably have at least a couple of answers. Where should someone start as far as a the super most basic setup that they could get decent photography with?
2: Mm. Like, yeah, yeah yeah okay so i mean i I recommend the light box, my light box class, like you can google how to build a cardboard light box, and it's all over the internet. It's super simple, but all you need is a cardboard box and a white poster board, and you can create like a little environment that is just like it's just conducive for beautiful lighting. And so like that would be where I would recommend you start just with cardboard and tissue paper and a poster board,
0: (laughs) which honestly I have. So funny you say that. It's very funny. You say that I actually downstairs in my shop, I have a 25 by 25 by 25 cube Mm -hmm. with integrated LEDs and an infinite background and the side is lined with silver. And in the end, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I cannot believe I spent $140 on this. Like, <laughs> right. What did right. I buy? Like, it's great. I love it. It works really well. But in the end, I bought a $140 box with two strips of LEDs in it. That's, <laughs> so that's that's one of those things where I probably should have built it. But, you know.
2: But, hey, I, I think that there is that, like, there's that... Uh, barrier of entry for photography. I feel like people are like if mm-hmm. I don't have the best of the best, I can't take the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And so people aren't natively thinking, "Oh, how can I do this exact thing with like paper and scissors, you know?" Right. Right. And so well, it doesn't well, surprise me. And
1: and I mean, I I got a really nice camera a couple years ago, and let me tell you, the really nice camera did not make my photos any better you know like <laughs> just because you have the equipment doesn't mean you can use it either so
0: yeah uh, and one of the things that i loved about the um the course where you did the cookies you mm-hmm. did um you explained the way you use reflectors and then you're like Do you have that really short video on your youtube channel this is a reflector yes this is a reflector yeah, I love that. Is re- yeah. and it starts making you think like i always think of t- in terms of like bathing things with light and yes. putting them in this box and trying to but your course is almost I almost want to say it's the opposite. Like you're more of like, almost like a shadow sculptor.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) I I remember one of the courses, it was so good. You were setting up one of the shots and you're like, I didn't like the way this looked. So I rotated the whole thing just so I could get the shadows to go in a different direction. I'm like, Mm -hmm. holy crap, what a great idea. Like I would have just like tried to shine. I would have kept it because I'm kind of rigid that way. I would have kept it that way and just kept trying to shine other lights on it to try to get it to do what you want. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, no, I just turned it around. I'm like, damn it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I set up on boards or paper, like rather than my table. So that, cause I've done that where I have to turn my entire kitchen table. (laughs) I'm like, this was not the best way to do this.
0: Oh, the greatest was, and even like, okay. So another example was in the, in the flat lake course. I'm thinking, like, how do I get a table that I can get on top of? And <laughs> you did do that. You used a step stool, But then you're like, but you know what other way I like to do this? You just took the whole thing aside, just put it all on the floor. <laughs> right like, on the floor. <laughs> look, it's just right on the floor. Look how good this looks. And I'm like, damn it, the floor. That makes I sense. I never thought of the floor as a place <laughs> to take pictures. <laughs> like... It's amazing. You get into a mindset where it's like, oh, I got to have it on a table and I have to have an artificial light. And you're like, no, I'm going to shoot in front of my patio doors on the floor with a piece of poster board. And it's like,
2: mm-hmm. damn it. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs>
0: well, it's, and, and we were talking about a little bit before
1: we even got started too. Is I, So I've been trying to get like more moody, you know, moody shots. And and so I'm, you know, using direct light to get and to accent what I want to showcase. and And I love that. Like that's working great. But I still need a little bit of light on the other side, you know, because yeah. I'm losing I'm losing some of the detail that I want there. I don't want it to be highlighted, but I it needs to be there. Yeah. And and I just keep forgetting like that even your intro for the reflections course makes you think about different ways of, yeah, you just put some, you know, put a cardstock on that other side and I bet I'd get just enough light. Yeah. Or or like uh when I do my intros for my videos i always have a tough time because i wear glasses and i always have the light like tell me about in my in, reflecting in my glasses oh my gosh, well, what yeah. if i pointed the light against a white sheet against the other wall like would that give me not, enough light you know those types of things and it's it's amazing how you know a really short little clip gets you thinking like that
0: totally totally and the other another thing that you you know that i took away was something i was definitely doing wrong (laughs) and i had to rethink everything but something i was definitely doing wrong was in you actually talked about um when you use a reflector and you use additional light Mm -hmm. always color match the light and i never gave that any thought and you when you the reason is you always end up with a cast that you can't get out and i'm like oh that's why there was that weird orange color in every single photo i took it's these are the kind of tips, and I don't want to give, I'm not trying to like step-by-step step people through your courses, but these are the kind of things that are in the courses that she does on Skillshare. And they're just stuff that I swear to you, you're not thinking about. It's just, <laughs> and once you learn them, you, you, your brain just goes that way. You you start thinking of things a whole lot differently. You think of the angle of light and you think of, you know, the. I love the, the, this is a reflector video because you were just like, just showing off just random things. And it's like. <laughs> This yeah. can work as a reflector. This is a reflector. You know, people think of reflectors, they think of those pop-out discs with the silver yeah. s- silver coating on them and some guy with sunglasses holding it and pointing <laughs> it at a model. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this is a piece of poster board. Watch how magical it can be.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and a lot of that stems from laziness. Like, I'm sitting here trying to shoot and I'm like, how do I get light on this? I glance over, I'm like, oh, my grocery receipt, that's perfect. That's exactly the thing I need to bounce a little light into this shadow. And like what you were saying about mixed lighting like where you have lots of different light colors it's it's it was the biggest game changer for my work because I thought you know if my pictures are too dark I need to turn on more lights that's like the very that's logical yes mm-hmm. thought process yeah but then like the second I see a photo like if someone's like give me feedback on my photo and I look at it like instantly i know if they've if they've mixed their lighting or not like it like (laughs) it has such clear tells like i can see the colors of the shadows and i can see the harshness and i can see the weirdness of it like it's seriously like weird it's it's counterintuitive to tell people to turn off all the lights and just use the window because like people are like that doesn't make sense it's too dark in here for a picture
0: (laughs) yeah yeah And, and it's like it's like a red pill moment it's like the red pill from the matrix once you see it you can't unsee it, Mm-mm. and in fact, right. after, your cor- after your course after your course, a little confession, um, my photo box, the LEDs are fifty five hundred k Uh-huh, a- and I went out and I bought two fifty five hundred k eighty five watts CFLs to put in the light sticks near my box. Did it for work the front lights? It was magical <laughs> <laughs> my editing process went from so my editing process went from, oh God, this is taking forever. yeah, why is it just it's not coming right. out right. Well, all right, granted, it's not any quicker now, but at least I'm not trying to match colors in like I can see now that the color is all the same. The shadows have the same cast as the item, as the back and it's like, oh my god, why would I be dramatic? And I spent forty dollars on these we're not talking like high end, super expensive lights, but they're matched to the box. Mm-hmm, so now the front yeah. light the front light matches the top light and it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> and one of the things that I've I learned from you, and what's made me not so much in my business because my business I have all the time in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But in my day job where I really need to bank, like sometimes we'll get a shipment of of stuff, and it's like okay, you need to make the spec sheets for all of these, you know, within the next day or two, and I have to take 150 photos Oof. of different items, and it's like I. I was trying to bring that into Lightroom and just do all that editing in Lightroom. But one of the things that watching your courses got me to do was to think more about how do I edit less and do it Mm -hmm. all in the camera in front of me? Because the more you do during the shoot, the less you have to do afterwards. And now, the last time we we got product in from China... I did in one day. I shot all the product we got and got half of the spec sheets. But within two days, I had spec sheets for stuff. And my boss goes, hey, um," it was like a week later. He's like, we need to really get started on the spec sheets. I was like, no, we're done with the spec (gasps) sheets here. And I just sent them to him. He goes, how did you get them done that fast? I was like, I took a course on (laughs) Skillshare. Well, I think it's also too, like, I mean,
1: and listen, I, I still to this day do it too, but you know, I, I take the approach of take a million pictures because like, that's how I'll get the, you know, different angles and stuff like that. And you know, sometimes it works, but you also, you know, time, you know, time management, I'm scrolling through 50 photos and, of the same thing, yeah, and and so a little bit more prep work, and I think that's a little bit of the the digital, uh, you know, that's the that's the downside to digital a little bit. I remember when I used to shoot film. When you only have you know twenty four pictures a, a roll or whatever, you're careful. You pl- yeah, you, you can, plan and out your shots you a lot more, and it and, costs you twenty five bucks to see what they yeah, look like too. <laughs> exactly, and so now, so it's a little bit of that is just the you know that's a downside to digital. But um, but yeah, I mean, how much time could I save if I only had? 10 pictures that I had to go through and, and, you know, eight of them were, were contenders, you know,
2: <laughs> that's a great lesson to learn early because like, yeah, yeah after going through 2000 photos for a wedding, like you, that get that gets really old, really fast.
0: I went to, I went to my sister's wedding when I was really into like photography, like not just into like photography because I have a need for it, but photography because I just loved photography. Mm-hmm. And at her wedding as a guest, I, I took, over 300 photos. Oof. And I sat, as a guest, and I sat there, I sat there that night and I'm like, I don't know how people do this professionally. Right. Like, I had thought about like maybe trying to latch on to a wedding photographer and doing that. Yeah. And I was like, nope, this is not for me. I cannot do this. I love shooting street, I love shooting landscape. I will never do another wedding. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs>
2: I think that, yeah, you have to get like your own specific groove, like there was times where I was shooting weddings, and it was super enjoyable, but yeah, toward the end, it was just like way more stress than it was worth, and so there's definitely people built for it who just thrive in that kind of oh yeah condition
0: i have I have a friend now who's who does it, who turned it from a side hustle to his only hustle.
2: oh, that's amazing wow. and he
0: he i'm I'm pretty sure he loves what he does. I mean, he talks about it you know when somebody discovers something new and they just have a level of passion and you're like I would be really interested to see if you have that level of passion in like two years
2: <laughs> yeah. he's
0: had this level of passion for the last ten years that's impressive so, yeah it, I don't understand how he stayed it was funny because at one point he was like oh yeah I'm gonna go get my license to be inefficient and I'm like really he goes, yeah, I figure I'm doing everything else at the wedding. Why not officiate it, too? I'm like, you're out of your freaking mind, bro. One-stop shop, right. Yeah, exactly. So that that's that's how he markets himself. So he's like, yeah, I'll take your pictures, and I'll marry you. Like, all right.
2: all right. You don't cool. have to worry about the officiant being in the photos. <laughs> he knows.
0: He knows. He's got a little light meter in his pocket, and he's giving his – So this guy's like, no, 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 over there. But yeah, take the picture now.
1: Um, what, one more – just one more point about the, the reflections thing is the other thing I really like that you – you mentioned is the you know your clothing or, or other things in the picture yes. giving yeah. uh you know adding reflections Color that you cast. don't want and yeah. and i i think there's a lot of that with photography too of of what shouldn't we do or what, what you know what are the consequences of things that we do that we don't even think about
2: yeah I think a lot of people don't realize so people will have like a feature wall in their home where they paint it like burgundy and they're like Mm -hmm. this is our feature wall and then that's like where their best window is and they're like what is this weird red like cast in my photos I can't figure out where this is coming from and it's just it's from their wall (laughs) and so it's hard for yeah like trying to describe that or like um one time I did a portrait session and I wore like a like a highlighter pink T-shirt like I just didn't even think about it and it was a sunny day and like Ooh. I kept getting like pink on her face like luckily I had a hoodie and I could like throw that on because I realized like oh wow I am ruining these photos yeah,
0: <laughs> like, most Most of us grow up thinking that photographers that wear black are douchebags and really they're not
2: douchebags It's <laughs> <laughs> a practical thing they're wearing know black what they're and doing. Yeah.
0: yeah they're wearing black and gray because they're being technically competent <laughs> Yes so since we kind of be since we're kind of in that vein already so one of the things that i wanted to talk about with you was the things that you see people get wrong on a regular basis and you know maybe a couple of quick fixes you could do or some things that you should just be aware of so what did you um what did you come up with as far as things that we could probably some basic things that we're probably getting wrong that we could probably fix easily
2: So I think that's a really good question. I think what a lot of people do, like when you have your DSLR is you you put it on auto mode and auto mode is designed to do, you know, it's designed to take a technically correct photo, um, Mm -hmm. but it also comes with the pop-up flash. The pop-up flash pops up when it thinks the scene is a little too dark. And so then you have to fight with this like direct straight on kind of light. And so I would recommend if you're using a DSLR, if you're using a camera um, that has an auto mode, it usually has like an auto no flash mode. And that is like 10 times better than the auto with flash mode. Mm. Um, I don't think I there's ever been a situation where I recommend someone uses a pop-up flash? I mean, I guess if you're like trying to shoot in the dark and like there's no light anywhere, that's when that would come in handy. But the pop-up flash is, it's my enemy.
0: (laughs) The only time I've ever had any use for the pop-up flash is outdoors as kind of a fill flash. Sure. Can kind of help, but often as much as it can help they're also really really weak so if you're on a sunny day you're still gonna you're not gonna counter a lot of sunny shadows with a pop-up flash so
2: yeah yeah that's fair outdoor shooting is a little different i think
0: oh yeah I learned that the hard way with an actual model. No. <laughs> I, I, was a, I always talk about this. I was a nervous wreck and my company was like, yeah, we need some product shots and we're going to get you a model to work with. I'm like, what do you mean get me a model to work with? Like, you're not going to hire... No, you're just going to take the photos. It'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So the first few photos and I can actually... I'll, I might share some of these just to show people how bad they are. But yeah, there's <laughs> shadows. Like, she's casting shadows and I'm like... And I got really close at one point. And she's like, I'm like, I feel really awkward because I'm getting uncomfortably close to you. She goes, get in here. Let's go. I'm a model. I'm used to this. Let's go. And it was just that. After that, like, it just kind of, I loosened up a little bit. Sure. But yeah, that that's something that, the pop-up flash is like your worst enemy. Right? Well, it, it's funny.
1: So I uh, one of my cameras is the Nikon D500, and it doesn't come with a pop-up flash. Ooh. And when I got it, I was like, "Oh my god, what am I gonna do?" And I it's don't... actually the best thing that's ever happened. Like,
0: it's <laughs> it, it's amazing.
2: I pass. thing you fight with.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. I had, a, I had a really good deal once on um I forgot which one it was. It might have been a five D and the 5D I think it's the 5D if 5D doesn't have a, a built-in flash and I'm like I can't buy that cuz I don't know how to shoot what if I need I was like, sure. what if I need the flash mm-hmm. no you don't need the you'll never <laughs> need a flash so I stuck in the rebel line and I'm like four rebels in now and I'm like I I don't think I've ever really popped open the flash when I need a flash I actually bought the smallest speed light I could buy yeah. just just so I had one but I don't even use... That sits in my bag more than it sits on the camera, so...
2: Yeah, well, and the speed light can be really... Like, I think when when I say I don't like the flash, I think speed light is something else because with a Mm -hmm. speed light, you can bounce it off the ceiling and get gorgeous light with, with Mm -hmm. like, an attached flash unit, but you can't really, like control the direction of the pop-up flash i Mm -hmm, guess you could you could try and like bounce it you could try and like guide it upward but it's it's just so finicky at that point but
0: when people carry tissue paper in their pocket and like tape it over the flash to try to diffuse it (laughs) yeah little wedding
2: napkins (laughs) yeah exactly
0: So what else what else you got for us?
2: All right. Well, we talked about the power of editing and why like you should always be editing your photos, but I also wanted to bring up the point of like wrinkly sheets. I see wrinkly sheets in a lot of photos. Like people are like, "Okay, I need a white background. Oh, I have a white sheet. Let's do this." <laughs> and it's like it's such a good like <laughs> sheets are amazing, but you got to iron it. You have to. <laughs> because you don't want to be editing out wrinkles. Oh, yeah, That's like the most good... annoying thing to edit out. So, I highly recommend either like iron your sheets beforehand or use something that doesn't wrinkle like a poster board or foam core. I guess foam core can dent, but like, yeah, smooth, flat, hard surfaces that don't wrinkle is like a big, a that's thing. a good
0: one yeah unless you're going for a specific effect that is really off-putting when your crinkly background is sitting behind your pristine item and you're like look how good my photo is and all i can see is where you folded that sheet
2: <laughs> yeah it can be distracting and like the crinkly paper thing like i recommend like in one of my demos i show like crinkling up brown paper and like giving mm-hmm. it an overall wrinkled effect with which is intentional mm-hmm. but like when it's just accidentally wrinkly sheet it's it's more distracting than helpful
0: that's a good one. That's another. That's a very that's, good one. That's another one that you know. It's like, yeah, I could edit that out. Yeah, but the whole idea is to not have to sit there and edit for hours yes. right. every photo. Right. And especially if you you're taking multiple angles of something, you don't want to have to edit the wrinkles out of every single photo. Fo- I have one spot on my um, infinite background at work, mm-hmm. and I, I I just I it's a little tricky right now to kind of convince them to buy, let me buy a new one so i every shot i try to position it in front of that spot so that i don't have to edit it out in photoshop (laughs) after every single shoot yeah save you
2: your clicks yeah
0: yeah (laughs) cool um
2: what else Let's see. Um, I think having a tripod, like even when you're working with a phone, tripods can be a lifesaver because if your scene is too dark, you Mm -hmm. can just drop your shutter speed with a camera or, I mean, just having your phone stabilized. And I don't actually have a phone tripod. In a lot of my demos, I just like use my regular tripod and a rubber band and I just like rubber band my phone to it. I (laughs) think people assume you have to have the gear for the the tech and it's like, I'm not worried that my phone's going to fall and crash on the ground and it's actually very secure. (laughs) with a rubber band and so uh, that's how i kind of like make do with that that's cool
0: yeah and also what people don't realize is that when you're shooting especially when you're shooting indoors your phone's going to want to bump up the iso which is going to give you a lot of noise tons so they don't realize that if you can shoot you know you want even though you're bumping it that will induce motion blur at that iso Even if you're, you know, you're holding it, you think you're still, and then you take the picture and you just got smears, and it looks like you're wearing those drunk goggles, and it's like, oh, okay, that didn't work at all. Yeah, a tiny bit
2: of blur.
1: And I I don't know if this is a a good thing or a bad thing, but, like, even when I'm using the tripod sometimes, you know, I'll use the self-timer sometimes just so I'm not pushing it, you know?
0: Yeah. I got Um, in the habit of using my intervalometer, the trigger on my intervalometer, because I don't want to touch the camera, especially right. with a macro lens. Because mm-hmm. here's a here's a tip from here's a tip from your friendly neighborhood host. If you're using a macro lens, everything's amplified. Right. So <laughs> when you're in tight on something and you bump the camera, I promise you that's one picture you're gonna be throwing away. It's so. dramatic, yeah. So I actually had the Canon one and I bought a cheap knockoff of it because I sold the Canon stuff with a bunch of gear years ago. And then I was like, oh, I need another one. So I bought a cheap knockoff one on Amazon. I'm like, mm-hmm. this, this works just as well. And it's like half the price. It's perfect. That's but awesome. just something you can remotely trigger with is actually a, a big help, a surprisingly good help.
2: Well, and I think a lot of cameras have a self-timer. Even if you can't trigger it yourself, you can set it up to just right. start triggering on its own. That's mm-hmm. what I use. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it makes – that's one of those things that makes such a huge difference that you're like, oh, yeah, of course. If I don't touch the camera, it just looks so much better. It's I learned so it,
2: clean and sharp.
0: Yeah, <laughs> when, I, when I started – so the first long zoom I had was a Canon 100-300, and I would point it at the moon, and I would set the self-timer because I knew that if I – at 300 millimeters out, if I touch that camera in at night shooting the moon – I was just going to end up with Haley's comet. It doesn't <laughs> quite look as good. So. Definitely. Cool. Any others? Or I've
2: got yeah, I've got one more tip. So this one's mostly just when it comes to um, trying to add props. I think that the biggest thing for me is just simplifying. I think Hmm. a lot of people are like, okay, I want to, I want to put in this plant and I want to put in this crystal and I want to put in this pen and this thing. And they put a lot of stuff in the photo and it becomes very hard to tell like what, the viewer is supposed to look at and so I think it's easy to get carried away with props and so it's important to make sure that whatever's in your photo is contributing to either the story that you're trying to tell like if you're if you're selling your cutting boards for example a knife totally makes sense that Mm -hmm. any sort of like veg or produce but like if you're just like putting in you know like your coffee mug and your taxes <laughs> like you're like okay how does hey, this relate like why, why is this stuff in the photo I'm just distracted and so yeah you definitely you you got to strike that balance between like capturing a lifestyle look where it's like a scene versus like okay what's the point am I trying to sell something on Etsy or am I trying to sell a story you know mm-hmm. and so right. trying to figure out that distinction there and, and simplifying taking out props if things don't look quite right
0: you almost want to take in, like, the old rule about um, before you leave the house, look in the mirror and take off one accessory. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever mm-hmm. that accessory... You have to take one thing off before you leave, whether it's your earrings or, you know, that necklace that you think looks good. Just take something off so you're not overdoing it every time. And maybe that's... Maybe that's a good tip, like, just... Take something out of your photo before you take it. Whatever it is, just I like take it that. out. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. As long as it's not my glasses before I leave the house, because that would be <laughs> a mess. That would just be weird. One of the one of the first photo I took after your course was um, I took one of the cheese boards that I made. And I staged it. I was so proud of myself. And I staged it so well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm doing everything she said. It's <laughs> coming out perfect. And I even went and I had some, um, I had some pomegranate in I'm like, that looks just like red wine. That's perfect. <laughs> and I staged that nice. And I took the pictures. I took 30 pictures. I wanted to get all the different lights. I wanted yes. to get everything, right? I get upstairs and I'm sitting in my computer and I load them all. And what did I do? Tavitha, the number one miss one of the number one mistakes <laughs> i had the cutting board going off the corner of the photo Ooh,
2: mm. and
0: so that's one of your it's almost i feel like that's almost one of your pet peeves is People not being aware of where their eye, where your eye is going to be led in a photo. Tangents,
2: yeah, Yeah. tangents are a big pet peeve for me. Oh my (laughs) god, I'm so
0: hyper aware of it now. Like I actually frame my stuff in my camera a lot better now because I don't want anything coming off on a corner because Tabitha is going to be mad at me. It's
2: one of those things that once you notice it, you can't stop seeing it. So like, yeah, I guess I guess to rephrase that, if you're if you're setting up a scene where you have lines and any of the lines exit exactly out the corner. of the frame it's going to draw your viewer's eye exactly off of oh, your picture it, it
1: does it's and, so funny too like i mean you guys are saying that and i hadn't heard that before but i i, I totally feel that way and and I, I realize it and it's and like yeah I've, I've i've done that so many times where i'm taking the picture i'm like oh my god it's uh, this is this is a, an arrow to the corner
2: an arrow yes <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like a flashing neon yeah. sign
1: like Hey right. eyes, look here! <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. I never knew that. Yeah, it that's works good on point.
2: straight lines too. Like if you're if you've got like a baking tray or the edge of your cupboard, like right like right next to the edge of the crop like that is just causing so mm. much tension for your viewer it's like everybody needs just a little bit of space like that's why like when you think about when you're setting a table like your fork and your knife they don't touch they just sit next to each other they have space everybody's comfortable <laughs> nobody's feeling tense
0: <laughs> it's like really good eyebrows your eyebrows should never touch they should <laughs> never.
2: <laughs>
0: what i what i've started doing though because a lot of my boards don't really fit in frame but what i did start doing was like okay let's back up and say I can't get the whole thing in the frame. So instead of having one of the lines of the board follow itself to the corner, I just embrace the corner and go the opposite direction where the board kind of just completely hangs off the corner.
2: Yeah, cut it. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, this way at least it's not a straight line to the corner. It's The picture starts from the corner and works its way up into the scene. And I found that that's not as jarring yeah. as... Yeah. Oh, my God, the edge of your board goes right off. How did you line it up that way 30 freaking times? No better than this. That's, I think that's really one of the best things that I learned from, you know, all the different stuff that I took and all the different courses I took of yours was pay attention to where you're leading the viewer's eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I again, it's something I didn't consciously do. It's just like I would look at a scene and go, that looks good. I'll take that picture. But now it's like, I know why that looks good. And that's that's a big deal, right? Because Definitely. Knowing, not just knowing that something looks good, but knowing how to make something that looks good, knowing how to create that look, yeah. something that's, why is that pleasing? Like, I don't know. Well, now you know. You know the things that it's not doing that, you know,
1: you're well, not and crowding
0: think, and cluttered and crazy. And I, th- I think there's something too of,
1: like, I-, I don't know about you, but when I look at a picture, it's... So, like, it just feels wrong. Like, I don't know what it is.
2: Yeah. And and Attention. rather than just
1: say, let's take, you know, 40 more pictures, which I do. But uh, rather than do that, <laughs> it's, it's step back and say, like, what, try to figure out what, what doesn't feel right about it
2: exactly i think that's the first step in like figuring out how to make better compositions is looking at photos that that work for some reason and trying to figure out why and then looking at photos Mm -hmm. that don't work and trying to figure out why and then and then bridging that gap
0: yeah that's great very cool so now that everybody knows what not to do we're going to take a quick break <laughs> And Tabitha is very generously, very generously, and I promised her I wouldn't let her cannibalize her wonderful courses. Um, she's going to give us some tips on what you should be doing when we come back.: awesome. And we are back. Before we get too far into it, um, I just wanted to give a quick little thank you to all the people who generously. Showed up on Instagram over the last couple of days that finally pushed me over 800. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, bud. I I I wanted to mention it at the beginning, and I just completely forgot. And a lot of the people, a lot of the people that came and showed up on my Instagram, um, let me know that they were listeners of the podcast. Yeah. So I really, really appreciate that. So thanks for coming out, guys. That was that was really awesome. It was a, it was a shining moment for me. I was. No, very that's awesome. Very but... happy. I was I was gushy as hell. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You've been you've been crushing the content. We I said
1: this uh, earlier tonight. It was like you're you're doing this. You're doing you're posting a ton. Um, you're doing stories on instagram you're you got the youtube thing going you're you're crushing it man and 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 it's paying off and i and i love that that makes that makes me happy when when the work is going in and the payout is coming out
0: yeah and and by the way if you're not doing this there's a really cool thing going on at um hashtag may for makers we are now recording this on may 4th uh, which means this is going to drop on may 6th so i mean you're a little bit behind but you could probably still catch up but there's um, a hashtag, you could check it out um, on Instagram, hashtag May for and what they're doing is a 30-day maker challenge, and there's 30 prompts, and what my lunatic ass decided to do, and I don't know what, what could have possessed me to do this, but I'm doing it, is I'm doing a three to ten minute YouTube video. Every day for thirty days. Wow, I'm out of my mind. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm, I I think I'm doing it just to stress test my um my camera setup downstairs. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it'll really get you thinking about why you're a maker and why you do this. So, so if you're, I know that could have been my thing of the week, but I actually have a really cool thing of the week, and I didn't want to waste my thing of the week by r- you doing this with it, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really really good thing. There's a lot of really cool makers doing yeah. it. I mean Chris Chris Zepp's doing it. I, I, uh, Paul I Jackman. Yeah. Paul Jackman's doing it. Uh it's it's great. There's a lot of people participating, and the hashtag on Instagram is just loaded with cool stuff. And of course I'm not doing anything on Instagram with it. I'm doing it on YouTube. Like, yep, got that one wrong too, guy. But it's <laughs> it's actually been it's actually been a lot of fun. Plus it gets some content on my YouTube channel. So Definitely. You're definitely going to want to check that out, and maybe you can use some of the tips that we're going to get from our guests. Well, before we do that,
1: let me just apologize. I, I tried to hit mute if the, my sneezing fit came on. I, I thought I hit mute, so I apologize to everyone. But yeah, anyways. Uh, no.
2: Allergies
0: are a thing. So
2: Allergies.
0: Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we know it's the corona. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. We know it's the corona. Actually, I, am, I just want to send a quick shout out to my best friend, Megan. She is over the corona. Oh, awesome! Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. she was she was lucky enough, and I mean lucky enough to get corona while she was pregnant. Oh yeah! Oh, what? we were talking about this last week. Yeah, yeah. I, so and, she's and... oh my
1: god, that's amazing! That's she's she's back. She went back to work today. Wow. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I am so relieved. Like it's just one of those. And the ugh. worst part is, like, when somebody has it, like, you can't like run to them to help them. No, oh, oh. exactly. Like, I, I, at one point, I was like, "Hey, should I bring you some food?" And she's like, "What are you going to do with it? You can't bring it in the house." I'm like, "Oh, crap." Yeah, good mm. point, right? Yeah, right. yeah, it's just ugh. But well, that's yeah, she, super she good news. She conquered that.
2: That's amazing. She
0: conquered it, yeah. Good, some good news, right? Some right, good exactly. News. That good news. <laughs> we don't st- We don't lead with. We don't lead with bad numbers. We lead with good news. <laughs> So, Tabitha, one of the things that I asked you to bring with you on this episode is some stuff that we could do. Um because the don'ts, it was funny because I always I wanted to do the do's and then the don'ts. Mm-hmm. But it was funny how interesting the don'ts were. So I and I do I said it in the halftime show as we jokingly call it, but I also want to say it on the show. I really appreciate how much you brought with you today. I wasn't expecting this level of tip and this level of um preparedness i was expecting a couple of like tips and then we'd have a cool conversation but i'm like sitting here going yeah this is good <laughs> stuff i'm so, just ready
2: to watch these picks transform <laughs> yes
0: um why don't we go through your um your tips for things that people can do that they can make some good improvements to their work
2: awesome yeah so uh Just to echo what we mentioned before about editing, like that is my biggest thing. I'm like, if you're not editing your photos, you're not bringing your best game to the table. And just because you don't have like the fancy computer editing programs doesn't mean you can't be editing your photos on your phone for free. There's tons of free editing apps. Half the time, I'm just using Instagram. I have my own personal Instagram account where I just post my, you know, whatever pictures of the food that I make or whatever that's not like fancy or special. But I'm always, always dragging a couple sliders on in Instagram before I post just to give my photos that little bit of sparkle that they would be missing straight out of camera. And so editing is major. If you're not editing your photos, you should be. Everybody is.
0: <laughs> especially, especially on like, especially because most phone cameras don't have particularly good depth of field. Sure. And with the with the Instagram app and I know it's cheating a little bit but it works so damn well. With the tilt-shift filter is fantastic.
2: Oh yeah, it's really good at giving you that like kind of blur on the edges.
0: Yeah, you get that nice you can either use the round one and just kind of draw the eye right to where the photo is sharp. Or I actually really dig the stripy one, mm-hmm. and it you know just just enough so that the area you want is really sharp, and then you gently ease out from top to bottom of the frame, and it's just it's such a little thing, but it really again it's where your eye gets drawn. I didn't know, I didn't even know about this. Oh my god, dude! It's yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, I I again
1: I never post straight from straight to Instagram, but yeah, yes. the tilt shift
0: huh. the tilt shift filter to me will change your life. <laughs> we'll it, just, cool. does,
2: it adds an, like an implied depth of field. I think it can right. pull you into thinking that that is taken with like a lens that has mm-hmm. a lot of like blur to it naturally.
0: Hmm. It's one of my favorite cheats because like sometimes I'll take a really nice photo with my phone. And I'm like, okay, but everything's in focus. That sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm used to shooting. You know, when I shoot, just take the camera out and shoot. I throw there. I have my 50 millimeter F 1.8. That's yeah. what I put on the camera. And I love the depth of field that yeah. you get. And you don't get that on a – you just don't. At mm-hmm. best, you're getting 2.8, which means that there's a pretty wide range of what's actually going to stay in focus. And honestly, the way, like you said, if you're shooting an auto on a camera, well, if you're shooting auto on your phone, it's even more in focus because your phone's goal is not just to keep what's in front – it's it to keep everything, everything in right. focus. Yeah, everything. For sure. Everything's flat and sharp.
2: No, there's something you might find interesting. There's a there's a company called Moment and they're making smartphone lenses and they mm-hmm. have one that's like designed to mimic a telephoto lens. And huh. it's it, it does this thing where it brings your subject forward, which brings the background kind of further away. And it gives you that kind of implied blur. I've only played with it a little bit and it's not as dramatic in like portrait or not portraits in product photography as it is in portraits like I took a picture of my husband while we were going for a walk and like if you get too close to someone's face with like your camera your phone camera it like pulls your nose forward it it just like it does does a funhouse mirror thing yes absolutely and so adding this like telephoto lens helps kind of crush the frame so that people's faces look normal shaped. And so it's really good at like portraits and stuff. I played with it a little bit when I did my like phone demo that I uh, re-uploaded to my coffee pour class mm-hmm. and so you can see like a mild change there just because I was working on such a small scale but there are lenses that you can buy I think they're like a hundred bucks and you, you have to like buy the the case that comes with it it depends and they, they have like macro lenses and stuff too but there's mm-hmm. things that you can do to kind of mess with the native camera that comes you know on your phone already but and what was that called again uh the brand is moment that's mm-hmm. a, moment. the brand I've I have most recently they make purchased
0: wonderful they make wonderful lenses they actually have a companion app too right that goes with it that's really really good
2: yeah i think you're right
0: yeah 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 we they're should
1: th- we should throw that in the show notes too
0: but we will yeah well yeah. i'll put that in the show notes to, um when i do the edit there's mostly um, because i
1: want to remember it <laughs>
0: re- what's really cool is the case so the lenses the lenses are detachable you buy a case specific to your phone uh-huh. and the, the the basically the case has like a, a a thread set on it yep and you just screw the lens hmm. onto it and you're good to go and then when you're not using the lenses you just take the lenses off you put them in the little case they come with and you're good to go
2: yep and so, it just looks like a normal phone case
0: so yeah. cool that's that's a that's a good one so it's funny because i've always looked at them and i and i'm like okay so i gotta buy the case i gotta buy the lenses and they do run into money but i guess they run into money because they actually work
2: yeah yeah they're they're <laughs> little i mean you can definitely find like little like lens attachments on amazon for really cheap that kind of like clip on most but of them I've are never, garbage yeah i've never yeah. it's just like sticking a magnifying glass in front right. of your lens basically
0: I bought one because I was just curious and it was like $15 and it it was basically looked like a a clothes pin with a Mm -hmm. hole and then a lens stuck on it and you clip it like a binder clip almost over your, and I'm like, aside from the fact that I'm worried that this is going to scratch the hell out of (laughs) me like, and I look, you look at the quality and like, forget chromatic aberration like you know you you talk about like a cheap lens you get chromatic aberrations which is where the contrast from for people that don't know where you're looking at something dark next to something light and then there's a purple fringe around it Mm -hmm. this whole lens is a chromatic aberration. (laughs) like it's just like nope just throw that away it's just not even (laughs) it's not even worth trying to send it back just throw it away it's not worth the effort
2: yeah they can be pretty crummy
0: yeah that's that's a good one so the moment lenses are actually worth taking a look at that's that's interesting
2: i have the telephoto one and the macro one and i was like i had a mushroom we were making risotto the other night and i'm sitting there with like my macro lens like in the pantry (laughs) like photographing this like cool mushroom texture like it was fun so
1: i feel like uh, morley
0: could use that for his new cooking oh yeah Mm. (laughs) Mm. morley yeah when he does his beauty he has to do a beauty shot for the thumbnail right right exactly not just him and Eaton, you gotta have good shots of the food too (laughs) if you're doing food that's a good one i like that yeah, yeah Morley. Awesome. i hope you're listening man <laughs> of course he's listening yeah um what else you got
2: um, so I really like side lighting. So a lot of times people try to put the light behind them and they cast a shadow on their scene and it can be really distracting. And so I usually set up right on my kitchen table, right next to a big glass window and I shoot so that the light is to my side. And a lot of people kind of are like, well, but I know that it's going to be like, there's going to be a bright side of the photo and a dark side of the photo. And that might be distracting, but side lighting is really going to help define the shape of your hmm. subject. And so if you're, if you you're throwing pots, like maybe you're making planters and you're a ceramics um, maker, you're going to want to show off that beautiful shape that you've created. It also tends to kind of like any texture, the light will catch on and it will show off, you know, it'll show off that grainy texture or whatever texture you have on the surface, whether it's like smooth or um, jagged. And and, and it it really gives the, the viewer a lot of context for what it might like feel like. Mm-hmm. without a whole lot of effort. So side lighting is a huge thing for me. I'm always using side lighting when I'm shooting.
0: Well, going back going back to your cookie course where you where you were shooting next to that big window mm-hmm. and you didn't like the way the shadows were landing and you just spun the whole thing around so you could get the shadows to land a, sh- a certain way. Yes. And it, it made me realize that I don't, and maybe it's just because of the kind of photography that I do, but I don't think about texture and the way shadows can highlight texture as much as I probably should. So that's, it's really interesting. That's one of those forgotten things. The texture is actually something that, you can enhance just by changing your lighting situation. Also,
2: yeah, and texture is a good—it's a good thing for context. It also adds a lot of contrast, which is like really nice. That helps make a photo pop rather than everything being just like really, really flat and and smooth. You want to make sure that there's something that's kind of jumping out at the viewer. And I think, in regards to like spinning my backdrops and stuff, one thing that is like you wouldn't really think about maybe when you're shooting like a flat lay, for example, if you're using kind of that side lighting it makes the most sense visually to make sure your shadows are going down in the picture rather than up because if they're going up in the photo like if the light seems like it's coming from behind the photographer it it feels like the photo's upside down and so I usually try and make my shadows fall down or like at an angle to the left or to the right and I rarely ever have my have my light source coming from what is the viewer's like where their body would be if that makes sense
0: oh wow wow my head just exploded (laughs) I'm thinking about the light arrangement I have down in my shop and I'm like uh oh (laughs) (laughs) that's that uh oh uh oh moment one of one of my favorite ways to get texture and you know again cheating but Mm -hmm. I really I really got into I had a friend um way back in the heyday of Flickr when it wasn't weird um (laughs) she was she only shot black and white Mm -hmm. and It really, that did help me consider texture more because when you don't have color, you know, you do think about texture more because you really don't have a lot to work with once you take color out. You know, a lot of people like these and phones are actually geared towards doing this. The processing on a phone is geared towards punching up reds, punching up yellows, really making them super, super saturated. Yeah. And black and white just kind of nope. You're not doing that today. We're gonna we're gonna look at the actual photo, and you're gonna have to compose something that looks good when you can't see that color.
2: Yeah, and black and white can be an amazing tool for that. Same with like color contrast. If if you turn a photo black and white, and the whole thing looks gray, it, I mean, that's a good indicator that you you could incorporate a little more color contrast in your image to give it that like pop. Oh
0: wow. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always <laughs> liked black and white photography for that reason. I feel like it's it's I don't know it's, it's I don't know. It's, I have never really been able to put into words what why I like it, but I I think this is my this might be it. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I my head just exploded when you just said that. So yeah. Hold on. You, if you take a black and white photo and you if you take a color photo, uh uh-huh. And you turn it to quote grayscale. Yeah. And it's mostly gray. You probably need to think more about the contrast and the lighting and the shadows and the texture on your.
2: Absolutely. I, that's I a mean,
0: great. That's a great tip.
2: (laughs) I would do that when I would like shoot portraits. Sometimes Uh I'd be like, why don't I like this photo? What is wrong? And if you turn it black and white, sometimes that's what I do to like, that's my last save. If I can't get the photo to look good because the lighting was weird or there was just something happening that's just kind of messing it up, I'll try and see if it looks good in black and white because then I can still deliver that shot. Like maybe i got a great expression, but there's like a weird patch of light in the background that I can't manage. Um, But oftentimes turning a photo black and white forces you you to like realize oh I actually didn't get a whole lot of color contrast because like this the tone of someone's skin might be the same like brightness as the tone in the green grass behind them but you wouldn't really notice it unless the photo was black and white and so it can be this kind of like subtle trick to see like is my photo actually contrasted enough and then at that point like you can go back into color and adjust like the greens or adjust the the reds to kind of tone them so that there is a little more contrast without it looking like really crazy but that's that's, that's like super technical so I, I gotta
0: say this is probably my favorite tip that you've given us to <laughs> today I love this idea because yeah th- this is like yeah I never i'm thinking about it now I was like yeah your eye probably just can't you it's like Ethan was saying before like you look at a photo and you go there's something wrong there's yeah. right. something wrong I can't put my finger on it there's something wrong but that's that's a really good indicator that you didn't didn't get enough variation in your levels if you can make it grayscale and all you see is gray i, I yeah wow <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Holy, that's a that's amazing, and that wasn't even on your list. That was no. like a bonus, that was like a bonus tip. That that's happened. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else you got?
2: Um, so I well that made me think about how incorporating contrast in an image is important so I I always try to make sure that my photo has like a white point and a black point because if it's all like tones of gray you're going to have to really push it in the editing to get kind of that extra contrast but I guess I'm also the kind of person that really likes a high contrast very like vibrant beautiful like juicy image and so Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily apply to like every type of photography I guess all of these rules don't necessarily apply every Single time, um, but it is important to like learn the rules so that you know when you're breaking them and if it's. I
0: pinch. love I love crunching that levels slider. Yeah, like just getting that white <laughs> as close to the slider as I can, and just watching the white just get whiter and whiter and yes. whiter until it's blazing white. <laughs> and it, I've learned I've learned one of the things that you know one of the things that you pointed out in one of the classes was you know the the importance of your whites being white,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's like. I never really, you know, I kind of knew that, but I, I would go, that's white enough. But now that I, now that you've programmed me, whenever I, (laughs) whenever I take a shot on a white background, like, for example, one of the things that I do at work is I take photos for Amazon. Yeah. And I take a picture of what I think is a white background. I'm like, that looks good. Yeah, I put it on Amazon. And it's like, oh, damn, that's not white.
2: It becomes white. so obvious. Yeah, because yeah. the internet yeah, yeah. is full of white backgrounds. So you you just are so aware that your image is not actually white.
0: Yeah. And is it, so I, uh, before we get to your next tip, so I, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the things that intimidates people the most when they get their SLR is shooting things in RAW.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because RAW is... Raw is scary
2: yeah. because yeah. you don't get any help. <laughs> no.
0: Um, I tend to shoot, and I'm not going to lie, I'm one of those guys that shoots raw plus JPEG. And That's the reason okay. I do it is because sometimes I'm lazy and I want to do a quick edit on something and I don't want to have to fully process an image. But yeah. I have found, and maybe it's my own hubris and arrogance, and you know, as a, someone who loves taking photos, hubris, hubris and arrogance it probably comes with the territory, right? <laughs> um, I, I do find that I, I like the results I get when I handle the processing better than when my my camera or even my phone does it. Sure. And is there is there, is there an easy way like to break into raw like so for I'll give you an example. Like for me the way I learned how to sh- the way I learned to start working with raw was I was taking photos, I would take them in <clears> auto, throat> and throat> then watch what the camera did. And go, okay, now I know at least what to set everything at. I have a rough idea what the setting should be. And I would just start shooting stuff raw, 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 raw. And for me, the only way I got comfortable shooting raw was taking away the safety blanket of JPEG.
2: Ah. Like, just Hmm.
0: not, just no, I'm not (coughs) gonna shoot anything JPEG today. And you know what? It was a lo- it was a rough couple of weeks, but yeah. then all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh, I don't want to shoot JPEG anymore." And the only reason I do it now, like I said, is because sometimes I just at work, I just need to do really quick edits, and I yeah. don't have time to fully process something. But I do find that when I'm pulling stuff into Lightroom, when it's my stuff, when I have time, I don't even pull in the JPEGs anymore. Like yeah. I only pull in the raw files.
1: Well, I think so, a little like I'd be interested like a little bit of what's the benefit and, or downside yeah. of raw.
2: Yeah, so I guess with raw files, the biggest thing is they are huge. They're huge, and they're, like, gray. Like, your photos are going to be, like they want to give you the most amount of information in the pixels possible. And so the photos just in general don't look awesome. And so I would okay. never, ever, ever share a raw file as like a finished picture um, because they it gives you as much information as possible. So with the JPEG, sometimes it's like, okay, this is white and it's blown out. So this pixel is zero. This pixel, pixel has no information and that helps save like file sizes. Huh. And so um, a lot of the times, like if you are photographing the sky and it's like, really really bright and blown out with the raw sometimes you can bring those pixels back you can kind of like add gray where there was once only white but with a JPEG it kind of throws those pixels away and so Hmm. if you're trying to bring this like blown out sky back it's going to turn this weird like silvery like awkward. I don't know. It it it's just it the computer just tries to bring what it doesn't understand back and it's just not quite the same. Um, gotcha. but I will say for like day-to-day stuff, JPEG is usually just fine. Like like sometimes I'll accidentally shoot in JPEG. I, I don't I haven't done this in a really long time because I I'm like much more comfortable with how my camera <laughs> works, but, <laughs> but if I accidentally switched the wrong dial and, and shot out like half of a session in JPEG, like I was I was able to still like use those photos just fine and the client never ever would have suspected because you know if you're shooting properly lit photos JPEGs as long as they're like properly exposed you can Do, you know, a lot of the same editing and have the photo look out look great. But with a raw, if you shoot way too dark, you can still bring that up and make like a decent photo, even if your photo looked basically black. And so I've demonstrated this a couple times in some of my classes where it's like this photo. You might look at and think, oh, there's no way that we can save this. And then I just show like, here's what happens when you try to save it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it just introduces a ton of noise and it's a disaster. But like if you're, if you're still dialing in on your skills, um, RAW will give you the opportunity to kind of save some of your images that might be too dark or too bright kind of as they start out. But, you know, there's a lot of tweaking that you can do. But it does require editing, if that makes and, sense. And yeah, that's, yeah. The, totally. that's the
0: funny part because beginners are so intimidated by RAW. Mm-hmm. But when you're a beginner, <coughs> you're probably better off shooting RAW just because right, at the very least, your mistakes yeah. are not unrecoverable mistakes like yeah you, you can have, save yourself right and I have saved myself many many many, many <laughs> yeah many, many, you many know
2: times. yeah <laughs>
0: especially especially like you said with skies and where you really see it is when you're shooting on a on a particular on a like a bright day mm-hmm. and you're doing a landscape and what you always end up and you know everybody now your phone shoots HDR so yeah. it's not that big a deal but one of the craziest things is when you take a picture and you're like, oh, this is so beautiful. I got the perfect photo. And you get home and the sky's white. Yeah. Like, there's no detail in the right. sky whatsoever. The, the landscape looks brilliant. And there's nothing in the sky. And it's like, okay. But if you get your RAW, if you load up your RAW and you start tweaking your levels a little bit, you're probably going to find that even though the JPEG version didn't show you the sky, the clouds, the, de- the variation in color, your camera still saw it.
2: Yeah, there's going to be something there in the RAW file. Right,
0: because your camera, the way I like to think of it is your camera basically looks at the extremes and then throws them away. Mm -hmm. Like, It it expands the level of low and the level of high beyond what it's actually shooting. So the things that it throws away as black and white, like Tabitha was saying, that's not necessarily what the camera saw. That's what the JPEG compression algorithm saw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're shooting RAW... There is no compression algorithm. You go all the way to the one end, you go all the way to the other, and you get everything in between. And it makes a huge difference, especially one of the things I always screw up, and it just, I I don't know why, I must have a mental block about it, but exposure. I always screw up exposure. And shooting in RAW, I mean, you saw, I shot 350 shots when I went out to Nevada in February. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know how many of them were? Utter garbage because I screwed up the <laughs> exposure. I would say probably about half of them. Right. But the photos I posted, you know, all, um, I would they're say, fantastic. Right. Yeah, I would say about right. half of them I rescued just because they were raw.
1: Oh, interesting. It's, okay.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a very, you it, know, it's it's scary. It's intimidating. Yeah. And, well,
1: I, yeah, I I don't do it much, and uh, and I need to more. I think, but yeah, yeah. If or you're using,
0: oh sorry.
2: Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like with a, with, with raw files, like if you decide today, oh, I'm going to start shooting raw, but you don't have like a program that can process raw files, you're going to be like open, trying to open up your photos and you're going to see nothing because your yeah, photos yeah. are in raw. So you have to make sure that you have an editing program that's capable of processing raws like Lightroom or Photoshop. And so, or,
1: or, or uh, affinity photo that I'm, I just got that.
2: <laughs> you're yeah, all about the affinity,
1: right? I know I am because you it's know really what, good. because it's, it's a good option. I mean, I don't think it's as powerful as some of the other options, but mm-hmm. it's a one-time cost. And, uh, How much is it? Uh, it well, I got a. They had a deal running a couple weeks ago. I think I got it for thirty, but I think it's fifty dollars. It's a one time cost. Uh, you get all the upgrades for life. So that's and awesome. And it's it's super powerful. It really is super powerful. I've had Affinity uh, um, Designer for years, and it's it's amazing. It's it's really good. I, again, I'm sure it doesn't have all the options, but, but for someone rocks. that wants to do what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would say if you're not this is the one thing that, you know, we always bump into and I I tend to get a little bit defensive because I was one of the people that when Photoshop was coming out with a new update every year, I was buying the I would buy it and then I would buy the update every year. I was I've been paying for Photoshop since like CS four. So for me getting the subscription saved me a fortune because I was buying it every year. So for me, but I also understand where somebody goes, wait, $54 a month for the creative? Supply? Right. Yeah. You've got That's to be lot. out of your freaking month. Versus, yeah. versus a one-time... Yeah. yeah well and i
2: get students all the time that are like i don't want to pay for a subscription is there something i can buy that's just like a one-time thing so that's really i actually wrote that down i'm like i'm gonna tell people you, that. you should check it out i mean <laughs> I it, it
1: does a lot of yeah. uh, it, it's that's, pretty powerful it's probably not as powerful but it you should check it out because it's pretty phenomenal
0: I will and sure.
1: and uh the other thing too is um Oh, I lost my train of thought gone
0: <laughs> there's another there's another app that i actually so i was diametrically opposed to getting into lightroom again because i hate lightroom like i despise you do? it right well so check it out so i was like i am going to use everything that's not lightroom so i got my hands on luminar from skylum oh yeah, yeah. it's absolutely freaking fantastic yeah. for processing raw it's unbelievable it's so good i've heard right? of that yeah then at work, I'm like, oh no, I have to use Lightroom at work because we have the I have the Creative Suite. They pay for me to have the Creative the Creative yeah. Cloud. So I'm like, all right. I grudgingly started using Lightroom, and now it's like, nah, I don't even use Luminar anymore. Like I'm all about Lightroom. I, I load. Do you it love up. it now? I I not only love it, uh, it's it's like my bay. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I load up Lightroom, and what I love about and I know I'm I'm not a Lightroom Classic guy. I love the new Lightroom because I can take out my iPad and sit on my couch with the photos I just imported into my computer. And I can do, like, bulk edits on my iPad, and then they just sync right back to Lightroom on the desktop. It's absolutely fantastic. That's
2: amazing.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and this is the greatest tip ever for people that like to do their own personal stuff at work. The (laughs) new version of Lightroom has a web app. (laughs) So you can do your Lightroom with your catalog and your photos on another computer, as long as it has a web browser, and that's cool. So great. you're talking
2: about Lightroom, like the cloud-based photo service? Yes. That's, I yes. have never ever used that ever in my life, and that sounds amazing to get to like yeah. edit photos like on my couch. <laughs>
0: Just I sit there on my couch a lot of. In fact, in Nevada, I did not bring my Surface Pro, which is my pretty much my go-to computer for everything. I remember you talking about this, Vincent. Yeah, yeah. I brought my iPad <laughs> with me. Everything I did when I was in Nevada for four days. I did with my iPad. I, I shot everything on my phone. I had the adapter to plug it into my iPad. I edited everything in Lightroom and I published using Later, which is an Instagram publishing app. Oh wow. I did not I did not bring yeah. a computer with me. And It is just, it's... It's awesome. My wife told me I use the word transformative too much, and she's probably (laughs) right, but it's transformative. It is absolutely transformative because you take your stuff with you and you don't have to think about it. It is absolutely... It's something you probably... And here's here's what I would recommend. If you've not used it so far, create a couple of albums and do a couple of imports into the new Lightroom. I'm you don't have to bring right everything <laughs> yeah, You don't have to bring everything in, yeah. but you can bring some of your stuff in. You're going I'm telling you, I know you use Lightroom Classic. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be so freaking annoyed at how how it almost feels like it's scaled down. Really? Yeah, they really did. They made it for dummies. Okay. But one of the things I like about it is that they made it for dummies.
2: Yeah. Like, right. I,
0: I'm looking at it, it's weird cuz I look at things now more from a kind of a commercial production environment than I did from like a hobbyist photographer environment. And it's like, I need to bang these out. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I I do like the idea of just being able to load up a web browser. The other nice thing is at work, I do work at work. I can sign into the same Lightroom photos on my iPad for my work account. So I don't have to transfer everything to an external hard drive, bring the hard drive home, plug it into my computer, import all the photos and start working on them again. Oh, wow. All the editing, all your, what they used to call recipes, I don't think they call them that anymore even, Um, but all your editing, all the stuff you change in your edits. Presets? Yeah, well, everything, yeah. You can, some presets still work, like the stuff you download, some of those preset kits that people sell, Yeah. some of them still work. It's, it's um, a lot of people, I know we have a couple of photographers, including Dave and Ant, that are listening to us going, I hate that damn thing. I I know. (laughs) I I don't blame you. I don't blame you for hating it. I freaking love it. I cuz it just make it enables me to just take my work everywhere and not have to think about it. So Yeah, yeah we'll I give actually, that a go.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, oh, it,
1: it's Can, worth a look. <laughs> let me give you one more. This is like the bottom of the barrel, but it uh, for a free, completely free software, uh-huh. paint.net. paint.net.
2: I think my husband uh, uses that to be yeah, like
1: it, really Yeah, I mean it is gifts. it is it is a free uh download and they upload and stuff i mean they update it and stuff like that but it's completely free and it has a lot of features that the better better softwares have again not that great if you're comparing it you know side by side to lightroom but for someone that wants a completely free software
0: it's actually pretty good yeah, That's and awesome. it's better than GIMP, which is yeah. 100 percent, hundred percent. Anyone? By the way, if you if you like GIMP, you're not allowed to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Tabitha, what else you got?
2: Well, okay, so my I mean, aside from like editing, is just getting your light, just nailing your light. I think um, so. Primarily, I get like I would say ninety nine percent of the photos I take are taken with sunlight. They're taken through a window in my kitchen, through my big back door window, and I have this really thin IKEA white curtain. It cost me $10. It's just like a really thin piece of fabric that breaks up the light. So basically what happens is if you're getting light that's pouring directly in, that's going to be really hard light to work with because it's going to create really harsh, really dramatic shadows, and it's going to make everything super, super bright. But it's not bad light if you can diffuse it. And so I would recommend getting Getting a white sheet or piece of tracing paper or tissue paper that's white um, and putting that up between your setup and where that hot sunlight's coming in, the sunlight that your cat wants to lay in, that beam, just <laughs> diffusing it with a piece of white. I mean, even a paper towel would break it up and it's just going to, it's going to create this beautiful soft kind of lighting that helps fill in a scene. It makes your shadows really, really um, soft and blurred and diffused and it will just make your photos look a lot better. Without sacrificing, you know, the brightness that you're probably looking for when you're shooting at home.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I didn't realize your curtains were um, part of the part of the kit. <laughs> yes, absolutely, they are. <laughs> I love it. All right. Anyth- anything else? Or
2: I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, you know, side lighting, simplifying, editing, diffusing your light. You, I was
0: thinking when you were talking about sidelighting, because one of our one of our listeners and former guest, Mary Lou, she she yeah. just renovated her whole shop, and one of the things she made a point of saying is that normally when people do a shop, when they reset up their shop, what they do is they put their <laughs> these big fluorescents on the ceiling so that they're pointing straight down. Yeah. But she films all her stuff and all her projects. Yeah. And what she did was in the back of her shop, on the wall vertically, are her are her lights. Yeah. So that when she's standing sideways on something, the light kind of bathes her sideways rather than rather than straight above and creates weird shadows pointing straight down, like
2: the down. raccoon eyes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah, it also creates
0: uh, a little bit of a mood too. I feel yeah. like, yeah, unless you're like a Simpsons character or
2: something, <laughs> you're going
0: to create weird shadows if the light's over your head. You Absolutely. just are, right? Yeah, that's it.
2: that's. Yeah. uh yeah.
0: I never thought these are all things. See, what I one of the things I love about your course is you bring to the front things that you may inherently know but not know why you know them. Yeah. And like the Mm -hmm. sidelight thing is a really good example of that. Like, oh yeah, of course because when you think about it, the light above you, yeah, nobody wants, you know, you end up looking simian or like a caveman (laughs) because, you know, you got eyes, you got that that extra eyebrow that nobody wants to talk about, but everybody has it. And your <laughs> eyes are not quite out as close to your nose as you think they are. And all of a sudden, you look like you're hungover. <laughs> over. You to figure out
2: why. Well, and if you think about your product photography like portraiture, like the... I, a lot of people who are just getting started with portraiture, you learn pretty quick that you want to shoot when the sun is not in the middle of the sky, shining right. directly down. And so you're going to want to do that same thing with your products. You want to shoot where the, si- light, the light is coming in from the side so that you're not getting this weird, and so, like especially it's pronounced in like, flat lays because if your lighting is from above and you're doing a flat lay, like, your hand or your phone, something is going to throw a shadow in your scene. And so that's why it makes more sense to just use that side light.
0: Speaking of flat lays I just realized the 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 greatest tip that you ever gave that as far as my phone photography changed everything in the flat lay course um turning on the grid the grid on my phone. <laughs> and why is turning on the grid goodness no uh, yeah i'm sure. I, I don't know this one okay yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone loves the rule of thirds that's not why you turn on the yeah grid. i that, know the that's, rule that's, of thirds yeah yeah the rule of thirds uh, not for nothing but as far as i'm concerned i'm not a professional but to me the rule of thirds is horse crap but it's a
2: suggestion of thirds.
0: it's exactly it's a, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah. what it is yep. yeah it's a rule that everyone breaks with a good reason right yeah. <laughs> but one of the tips that you gave in one of the classes, my favorite tip, that I did it immediately and I immediately felt like a genius for knowing it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've showed it to people and they're like, I didn't know the phone could do that. Yeah. If you turn the grid on, okay, and you'll notice that you, you have a little crosshair in the front. It's a white crosshair. If you turn the phone so that it's parallel to the ground, you get a second crosshair. And when those two crosshairs lined up, you are now perpendicular to the ground.
2: Like hmm. magic
0: my head exploded because i take you know i make jewelry one of the things i do is i make jewelry and sometimes i need a good top-down shot and that changed everything because Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden i don't have weird skews in all of my top-down photos because i can just look i don't even need to see i just need to know that it's in focus which generally it will be yeah and i need to make sure those two crosshairs line up and if they do then I know that's going to be a good photo, and I don't need to worry. It take fifty of them to hope that one of them is good. It's such so, a
2: great little tool, and then you're not messing with the perspective later because you know it's straight on.
0: Right. I, that was such a good tip. I I wanted to hug you.
2: Oh. When you did that, because
0: <laughs> a lot of my product photography, for in, particularly for Instagram, because it's just easier, mm-hmm. was taken using my phone. It's just much Absolutely. easier. Yeah. Great. And, they, but they always had, especially when I would do bracelets, because for bracelets, your ideal angle is either going to be right up at, like, almost the beads or be at eye level, so you're looking straight at them. Mm-hmm. So that's one angle. And that's easy to do. But then the other angle is you want a top-down shot so you can see the shape of it and see the how it thing. looks and see it in context. And, damn, that's a hard shot to get if you don't know if your camera is parallel to the ground. Yeah. yeah. So that was a really good tip because it made me very aware of how – crooked everything i ever shot yes
2: better going forward that's the goal yes
0: exactly it's yeah you know personal growth we're all about personal growth on this show so we're gonna do let's do our um our video of the week and ethan since you suggested it i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you intro it and talk about it a little bit since i agreed with you when you suggested it yeah uh, absolutely so
1: uh no uh stranger to the show uh bruce ulrich um, there's he, your
0: mention Bruce yeah came late, exactly this might be the latest it's ever coming or, huh? I I think it might be so the next we're gonna have to close out the show next week with and Bruce Ulrich <laughs> just at the end <laughs> just you know to have the running gag is that Bruce is mentioned in every single show
2: oh and one episode
0: <laughs> one episode I actually did the intro of, you know and I mentioned him in the intro, and I said, "There you go. You'll never be mentioned earlier in the podcast ever again." <laughs> yeah, so now we to, yeah, we have to do the latest.: Now yeah. we have to do the he's latest: the mascot now.:
1: <laughs> So but, yeah, he, yeah, he did uh, he's done a great a ton of great videos, uh, but he this past week did a TV console, and you know, that sounds very, you know, there's been so many videos on tv tv consoles um but he did one with a uh, motorized lift for the tv so all day you know while you're just hanging out it looks like a regular cabinet you know nothing special and then when you want to watch tv you hit the button and the tv rises it's a motorized thing and so that's cool you know but the design is really really nice too it's a very uh modern design but not you know, not in your face. And, uh, so I like that. And the video itself was really, really well done. I thought he, uh, he spent a ton of time explaining how he built it. Um, he did a lot of, a lot of like tips and tricks on, on how to get, you know, how to use, um, the domino to, to mount the face plate, uh, the face mount on the console, in a in, in the correct way and stuff like that. So it was just a really, really good video. It's, um, and, and, and even like the music for the video was really well done. He, he kind of used a ton of different songs, uh, in the background to set the mood for the different points of the video. So I, th- I just thought it was a really, really nice video and, uh, it, it, it's just a good way of showing what Bruce is doing and, uh, what he's capable of.
0: So I also like I also like the way he, um, I liked how much he went from, i bruce bruce's videos generally are project videos with explanations yeah exactly this one almost felt more like a teaching video yeah yeah like when he was right. doing the section yeah. on how he attached the the um, face for the domino yeah with the i was like wow this is like this is some good information here like i don't have a domino but i'm i'm interested in how he's how he accomplished this this is pretty cool so yeah he i think i think bruce is dabbling in something new and one of the things that we know about this project is this project took him a long ass time like Mm -hmm. i think it was like two months it took him to make this thing
1: yeah and and there's a lot of hiccups along the way and uh, a lot of things that
0: yeah did he mention the thing with the top i don't think he did no 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 he didn't good yeah because i know it's probably driving him crazy and i didn't mean to bring it up to drive him crazy but there was um a, a mishap with the top yeah and I, I'm just going to tell you, Bruce. I can't tell. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not sitting in front of it, but I think it looks freaking amazing. So yeah, yeah, Bruce super nice TV. design. Yeah, it's 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 really good, dude. It's one of your better it's one of your better pieces, and uh, almost a no brainer for video of the week. Yeah, like, agreed. Almost a no brainer. And the damn lift is so
1: cool. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I I want it, even though like I, I I don't mind having the TV up there
0: all day, but like I just love the heat. It's oh. like. Just it popping up. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like you can almost hear the 2001 Space Odyssey. Exactly. Well, I love oh.
1: how it pushes the like the hinge top. It pushes it up as it goes. He you even know, puts like, some unnecessary yeah. leather
0: in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's unnecessary walnut and unnecessary leather in the same project. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Bruce, congratulations. Your yeah. first win is uh, Video of the Week. Probably not going to be your last tonight, Probably not, yeah. Yeah, utterly fantastic project. We both enjoyed it, and congratulations. Yeah. So as is typically tradition, when we have a guest, we always let our guest do their thing of the week first. So Tabitha, you're up.
2: All right. Well, so I'm really big into houseplants. I have a lot of houseplants, and I found an app called Terrarium where you can have virtual houseplants. So I'm just going to add more houseplants to my houseplants. It's super, like, it's a chill app. You just, like, tap the plants, and they create oxygen, and then you can use oxygen to buy more plants and it's just like very circular and like calming there's been a lot of like I don't know chaos happening and so it's nice to have something that's like very calm and nice and so that's what's taken up a lot of my time this week
0: Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Is that by, um, the one by, Gr- I think it's by Green Panda. Is that the one? I think that's it, the one, yeah. It's like a bunch of shelves. Okay, good. Because I just, I realized as I'm like, I so you sh- Tabitha asked me before we started recording, like, do you need me to give you the link? I'm like, nah, I can find it. And I just searched for Terrarium. I'm like, oh my God, there's like 50 apps called Terrarium. Oh, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I found it though. So it's like Terrarium Garden Idol, I think is the name of the title. So we'll Yep, that's the
2: one. Yeah. <clears throat> this
0: looks really, really cool. I love I know. There's something, and I'm not an illustrator. I like Adobe Illustrator. I use yeah. it every day. But I'm not an illustrator, but there's something about this art style that they're using in this app that just, I just love that flat. It's very simple. Yes. Yeah. This minimal flat art style that everyone's doing in everything now. It just brings me so much joy. I love it. I um, Maybe I'm just boring and I like flat <laughs> stuff, but it just looks so damn cool.
2: Yeah. I love cool. it.
0: Cool. This is this is a good one. I think everybody could probably use a little something to chill to. <laughs>
2: yeah. So
0: you love houseplants. Do you, are you able to keep them alive? Cause I'm I can't, yeah.
2: <laughs> Most of them. The ones I don't keep alive, I, they just disappear so mysteriously. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they become fertilizer for the ones that don't die. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> cool. Ethan, you want to do your uh, thing of the week?
1: Yeah, mine will be quick. Um, so this one was amazing i've talked about his channel but this is actually a collaboration um so ag does it andrew um and uh, i'm blanking so it's uh estd so uh, easier said than done dot 1981 they did a maker collaboration and they made the first ever all wooden game boy functioning what? game boy That's so freaking cool and it is i mean I was just blown away. I mean, I, I saw him, you know, they were posting along the way and I was just blown away already. But this thing is absolutely insane. I don't know the dimensions, but it's probably about four feet tall, you know, three feet so wide. Cool. Huge. And it's it's all wood. And then and then Andrew wired the entire thing to function as a functioning mm-hmm. Game Boy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy and uh yeah they they actually they they did win the uh they won right yeah okay. they won the collaboration um challenge and they should have and it's just cool and the other thing though is andrew is amazing at his cinematography like mm-hmm. i mean he posted it on uh youtube and that was his first post on youtube ever but if this guy ever like really doubles down on YouTube and makes like full length videos and stuff like that, he's going to take over because his his editing, his photography, videography, everything is so crazy that it's it's just I I love it, everything. So uh, it was definitely an easy po- pick for my uh, thing of the week so
0: it's funny it's the first retro gaming pick that's ever happened on this show that i didn't pick
1: (laughs) yeah no exactly right but it's so rewarding yeah and everyone should check it out because it but it's also again even if you're not into that which i don't even think i i'm that into which to your point vincent is this that's probably why it's the first one that i picked that you haven't is his his videography is just so He's fantastic. Really
0: at, he's really good at shooting, and the, the, honestly, the scale—it's yeah. really just the the ridiculousness of the project right. is what really just drives it home. It's a fantastic project. You know yeah. who's been posting a lot about it? Um, hesitant handy handyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been posting about it constantly. Yeah. So I found out about it through him actually. That's how I found. Oh really? Out yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's it's a really
1: good. Well, and uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say this, but so I I was like, this is a David Picciuto, like he would love this project. Cause he, you know, he does the, he's done the wooden, uh, um, Nintendo the wooden, the
0: wooden NES. Yeah. He yeah. Did NES. NES
1: and so I, I just took the chance. Cause again, I hate annoying him, you know, like I just mm-hmm. feel like I'm always annoying, but I took the chance. I was like, sent him the post and I was like, I, you know, I don't usually do this, but I just feel like you'd be into this and, and you got to see what these guys are doing. And he sent back a message, uh, the next morning being like, this period is period awesome period thank you and i was like i was like thank yeah that's awesome because he sh- he needs to see that kind of thing yeah.
0: well i have a funny feeling that um oh wait when did you send it to him
1: uh Today? i sent it uh friday night maybe
0: yes excellent yeah so you may end up getting a mention on uh, making it this week. well i i hope i don't get a mention i hope that andrew and yeah. Oh, he'll mention Andrew, but you'll get a mention for having sent it, uh, him. It, it, it. It is totally up his
1: alley, and even if I don't, it's worth it. It was awesome. So
0: absolutely fantastic. Um, I will have the link to that in the show notes. Um, that's that's kind of yeah another no brainer pick. Yep. All right, I got to take you back. I got to take you back for mine. I'm gonna take you all the way back <laughs> to um, when I was eight years old, which is 1984, and I'm pretty sure neither one of you were born at that point. <laughs> right, I was born in '84. So <laughs> no, you weren't. Stop no, I, no I, I was actually born in no. 1984. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's so bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I never ask a lady her age, but Tabitha, I'm pretty sure you weren't born. In 1984. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, yeah. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> um, 1984. Mattel came out with a line of toys that um, kind of changed the face of toys forever. Um, a little line of toys called the Masters of the Universe. Hmm. And the masters of the universe toys were literally as long as they existed up until probably the last year of their existence were the number one selling toys in the United States. Um, I think the last line came out in 1988 or 87. So they had like three or four years. They had one of the most successful animated shows ever. And if you were a, a young boy of my age at that time, you had Masters of the Universe toys. You just did. It was almost a requirement. You, if you didn't have them, you would get beat up for not having them. So I was obsessed with Masters of the Universe. It was For me, it was Masters of, the, Masters of the Universe, G.I. Joe, and Transformers. Like, that was my life when <laughs> I was a kid. And the Masters of the Universe, the one thing I always wanted was He-Man's sword. Welp. There's a guy, and I had never heard of this guy before, but there's a guy on YouTube named Michael Cthulhu. And Michael Cthulhu, the same as the sea creature, um, I swear to you, he's the most interesting human on the planet. And he creates large swords based on geek swords. (laughs) So he's done um, the sword from one of the swords from The Legend of Zelda. He's done a whole bunch of them. And somehow YouTube, in its infinite wisdom, decided on Saturday night at 11 o'clock that it was going to suggest to me that I watch a Michael Cthulhu video. And I'm like, I don't know who this shaggy haired, crazy looking dude is. And it was He-Man's power sword. (laughs) It's an hour and 20 minutes long. It's not a short video. (laughs) But it's the process from bar steel to finished product. He sculpted it. um, He designed it. He carved it with, um, he worked it with an angle grinder and a welder. He, I, I can't. Even, the whole. I'm when I say it's the whole process, I mean you literally start with raw bar stock steel and you end up with He Man's sword. And the cool part is he made it for a six foot five man. He basically made it for the Rock. It's not gonna. I don't know if he ever gave it to the Rock, but he made it so that it would look proportional in the hands of the Rock. Wow. And this thing <laughs> is. Absolute insanity! It looks. It weighs twenty seven pounds. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it is just it's batshit what he did with this sword, <laughs> and it's it's mind blowing. It's amazing. And one of the things I love now, I follow a lot of prop makers like um, Punish Props and Odin Makes and all these channels on um, on the YouTubes. And the one thing they always screw up when they make the power sword is. I feel like they don't actually look at the sword. They just kind of riff on it. He looked at the sword and said, I want to make the exact sword as if it was a real sword. And he not only did it, but he does some stuff in the video. So in one part, he needed to turn some stuff, and he was worried that it wouldn't work. Like, he didn't have a lathe. or He put the chuck—he took the motor off his drill press— put it upside down in his set of super jaws and put the lathe chuck in it and then turn something on the super jaws. (laughs) It's absolutely bonkers. The guy is, he's, he's got a hell of a personality. He's a funny guy and he's an incredibly talented artist. And this video is just something you have to watch. So I would highly recommend it. It's in the show notes if you were a fan of the Masters of the Universe growing up, this video will make you <clears throat> smile because he goes to great pains to make sure that the sword looks authentic. And that's something that people come close, but they don't nail it. He nails it. So there you go. Awesome. That's my thing of the week. And that's amazing. It's a total geek pick, but... I <laughs> We're allowed. We're allowed to be geeky every now and I mean, b- hell, both, Most of of are. Are kinda, yeah. <laughs> both of our picks are kind. Both of our picks, all of our picks are kind. I mean, hey, plants are kind of geeky too. Geeky <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna end it. I'm, I'm kind of sad this is over. I, I don't know this was we're... a really
1: fun one. Yeah, yeah. thank Talk you, Tabitha. The,
0: I and I, I, I you know I'll say it again. I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you bringing as much to the table as you did. I was not. I was not expecting you to bring so much. I'm not, I'm just floored and I am so appreciative. that <laughs> You decided to bring your many talents to our audience. And, I've recommended. I, I thought I made it a thing of the week. I thought I made your classes a thing of the week once. I know we've mentioned your classes. <laughs> oh, on so the show many times, oh. many many times. Yeah. I, I well. swear I've mentioned you. And in fact, in that that group that I was telling you about earlier, yeah. I've probably mentioned you about yeah. thirty times. Oh. I'm not exaggerating. People know your name. They've what? never taken your course because your should. course just. I'm telling you, that's how much it. That's how much it meant to me, and it meant even more to me that you came on the show and. You shared so much great information that's going to, it's definitely going to help a lot of people out because there's a lot of people that love doing it. Yeah. Love doing the making part, but just are a little bit lost when it comes to the photography end of it. So it really is great to have someone who knows their stuff that can impart some wisdom on people. So we really, really do appreciate that. And thank thank you so much for coming on. Thank
2: you. Thanks for reaching out and like, you know, inviting me onto your podcast. This is so awesome. I really appreciate it too.
0: You know, it's funny because when, when I, we didn't get an an, an answer initially, I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe she's just not into being on a podcast. And then I swear to you, the day you sent me the emails like I'm so sorry, you know, with things going on and I said to Ethan, I'm like, dude, Tabitha said yes.
2: Tabitha. Oh. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. I felt so bad. I'm like, maybe he still wants to. I don't know. I, oh, yeah, I just course. my inbox is a yeah. <laughs> oh, I can,
0: I can only I can only imagine what your box must look like. I know what mine looks like, and I'm pretty sure mine is nowhere near as bad as <laughs> <whole>. <laughs> so, um, uh, we will have all the links for um Tabitha's stuff in the show notes. Um I highly, highly, yeah. highly recommend take her classes on Skillshare. Cause if you learned a lot listening to this episode, you're gonna learn even more taking her classes on <laughs> Skillshare. I promise you. There's there's nuggets of wisdom. I know you're going to look at it and see cookies and donuts and be a little bit scared, but just... Wow. And hungry. D- and you know, hungry, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Every oh, the cookie <laughs> video. The, I was so wanted cookies after the cookie video. If in fact, you, <laughs> thinking about it right now, there's some chocolate chip cookies in my kitchen, which are going to absolutely <laughs> crush after this. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. And um, hopefully, hopefully one day down the road, we'll get you to come back on again and maybe uh, a whole bunch of new stuff to tell everybody.
2: Sounds good to me.
0: You know, when you're a famous photographer, you know, you can come on and you can, you know, we can be like,
2: oh, yeah, remember that time before you were super
0: duper famous? You were on our podcast when we were just, we were all just like a little podcast. Just having a good time. Yeah, you were teaching Skillshare and, you know, now you got your own exhibits at the Met and, you know, we're still podcasters. (laughs) Uh, that's gonna do it this week Um, everything will be in the show notes Uh, Tabitha's links for her website her Instagram which is a great follow if you're not already following it you should be and uh, that's gonna do it we will be back again next week I don't think we have a guest but you never know sometimes we don't think we're gonna have a guest and then somewhere down the road we get a guest so it may be a guest it may just be Ethan and I but either way we will be back next week have a great week everybody